Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. One of the great things about also giving gifts is being chosen to be the one to present that gift. This morning, the Cheney family lit for us the angel candle. And today we're going to talk about an angel who was given the wonderful privilege of bringing the message of God's great gift, Jesus Christ, to us. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we want to pray our hearts will be open to your word today. Uh, this Christmas message, these Christmas scriptures are ones that are so familiar, so well known. And yet, Lord, every year there is some, something new, something fresh that we can learn from them. Thank you for each person that's come today, Lord, for the time they've taken to just share in your ministry, be an encouragement to others. And may you bless them as they open your word in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. The scriptures that were read from Luke to us today. Luke chapter 1. We're going to talk about a special messenger who was given the privilege of heralding the news, the good news of the gift of God, the gift of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And the story in chapter 1 of Luke, uh, begin in verse 5, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, and it lists the priestly division of Abijah, his wife of Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children. And I think you know, uh, as we've read this story, of course, they come to Jerusalem. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order. And we know from extra-biblical sources, such as Josephus and so on, and some of the Jewish uh, writings from the times, that there were several orders of priests and some have estimated there were about 8,000 priests that were available in Palestine during this time. And what they would do is uh, they would come to, 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 to one, uh, one week, twice a year, somebody like Zacharias would come and serve in the temple. In his lifetime, once, possibly twice, he would get to do what is recorded here in Luke chapter 1. It would be chosen by lot once in their lifetime, most likely. It's the only time he would ever do this. And that's in verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, and the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So he would go inside into the inner part of the temple. He would go inside the inner part of the holy place, but not the holy of holies. He would come as close as any other priest other than the high priest could go to the holy of holies. And he was standing there in the inner court, or the inner uh, part of the holy place, and in front of him was the curtain behind which was the holy of holies. That's where he is. And Zechariah is there burning incense, this one amazing privilege that once in his lifetime he would get to do. And it says, as he was there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. 
And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. His name and, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be greater in the sight of the Lord. And it goes on to tell him that this son of yours is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, as, as he quoted the Old Testament scriptures, and John would know that. And the angel of the Lord, and I want you, as we read this account, I want you to pay attention now. There's going to be uh, four accounts we're going to look at. And I want you to think, we'll come back to this, of what are the, what are the consistent, what are the continuities, what are the, the things that are very similar in each account? The angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah, and uh, you'll notice that in verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, my wife is well along in years. Zechariah and Elizabeth were very old. They were well past the time of bearing children. You know, as I read this this year, it kind of it occurred to me, it's the first time I've really, I tried to do some little more research and I, I really couldn't find anything, so it's just a matter of opinion. But I wondered about this. When, it's, when the angel said to Zechariah, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. My assumption's always been that Zechariah was praying that he and Elizabeth would have a child. However, later on, when Zechariah is completely in, in disbelief and you know, kind of flabbergasted that the angel said this, it made me kind of wonder, was, is that what Zechariah was praying about? Was he praying that they would have a child? And if that's so, then why is he in such disbelief when God answers that prayer? Is it possible what Zechariah was praying about what every priest who would come in and perform this duty would be praying about, and that is that the Messiah would come and free them and set up the glorious kingdom. I wonder if that's what Zechariah had been praying about. Just a thought. I don't know. I, I tried to do a little more work on that, and I couldn't really find any help. But it just occurred to me, maybe that's what the prayer was when the angel came and said, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. You will bear a son. And this son will be the one who will herald the coming of the Messiah and it will launch or inaugurate the Messianic Age. And this would have been tremendous news to any person to have that privilege as all the Jews were praying desperately week in, week out, year in, year out, that God would send the Messiah. But I want you to notice in verse 19 that when Zechariah announces his disbelief, in verse 19, the angel answered, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now that you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. And as you continue reading, you'll find that Zechariah was uh, uh, struck dumb. He was not able to speak. All he could do was make signs and, and motions. He could not speak. He went home. He went home with his family, with his wife. And he had to wait until the day that John was born. Then he could write out his name. And finally his tongue was loosed and, and he could speak again. This angel is Gabriel. Gabriel. And Gabriel is the one who was chosen by God to bring the most wonderful news. This morning when we were reading Scripture and Leah read that section, 
and the announcement to the shepherd. It's good news. Good news. In fact, the word good news is really the same root word as the word angel. The word angel in the Greek has the idea of a messenger. uh, Somebody who brings a special message. And the word gospel is really the good message. The good news. And Gabriel was the one who was chosen by God of all created beings, of all angels. He was the one chosen by God to play a prominent part in this Christmas story. This morning we have lit the angel candle. When Gabriel said to John, I am Gabriel. Immediately, John's attention and John's thoughts would have gone back to the Old Testament. This was significant. This was amazing. This would have, this would have caused you to, not to speak even by itself without God intervening, but God did intervene. To think that the angel Gabriel was standing in front of him in the holy place. Now I want you to just leave something here in Luke. And I want you to go back to the book of Daniel. Go back in your Bibles to the Old Testament to Daniel. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel is one of the, the last of the Old Testament prophetic books. In fact, it's, it's so much toward the end. It was even written in, a, in, a, in Aramaic parts of it, it appears, because it was, it was so close to the time between the Testaments. But in Daniel, we have in chapter 9, we have this person, Gabriel, introduced. Daniel, if you read the book of Daniel, you know, we are a small group Bible study that meets their house. I think last year we did Daniel. And uh, Daniel is a real mix of, of wonderful, practical Bible lessons like the fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel asking if he could, if he could have just the water uh, and the bread and not eat the king's meat, and, and he was blessed by God. You know, all these wonderful stories of practical application. And then we have in Daniel these amazing prophetic passages that are like the book of Revelation that you have to read carefully. You have to to look at it, and and many people have written many things about them because they are very deep. And I don't want to go into that so much this morning as the context that when Daniel was, was, was receiving one of these visions of the horns and the little horn, and the, and, and, and the Holy One speaking in verse 13, and the Holy One said to him, and he's seeing these amazing visions like John saw when God revealed to him. And in verse 15, while I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there stood before me one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Ulai calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of this vision. He heard a voice of God, evidently, calling to Gabriel, you tell him what he has seen. And this man standing before him was the angel Gabriel. As he came near the place where I was standing, notice, I was terrified and I fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. Very serious. The time of the of the coming of the Messiah, the time of the tribulation, the time when the earth and heavens would be shook, and, 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 and as we read about unfold in the scriptures that talk about that. Incidentally, uh, you're all here, and it's not, we made it past December 21st, didn't we? That's good. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad we made it. It's not really funny that the world is going to end. 
What, what is not good, though, is for people to predict dates when Jesus Himself even said of that hour, no man knows, not even the Son of Man. So we've got to be a little careful about that. But I'm glad you're here today for a lot of reasons. But anyway, and you'll notice in verse 18, while He was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep, my face to the ground, and He touched me and He raised me up to my feet and said, I'm going to tell you what will happen in the later times of wrath. Because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. It was Daniel. I mean, it was Gabriel, the angel, who was sent to Daniel to herald this news of the end times. And I'm going to tell you what it is going to be. And, and Daniel falls down at his feet and he can't speak. And, and, he, and he's numb from, from, from fear, from, from, from what is before him. And then we go over it a little bit later on. And you will see in chapter 9 that once again, this time is this amazing prophecy of the 70 weeks. Again, a very deep study. One that talks about the, the 69 weeks, the tribulation, and then, the, and then the, the coming kingdom, and the 70 weeks of Daniel. And we've studied this at different times and in our prophetic studies. And it's a very, very deep uh, and involved, but very important study, the 70 weeks of Daniel. And it's in that context, while he is... Verse 20, Daniel says, Well, I was speaking and praying. Notice that. I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, making requests to the Lord my God for His holy hill, that is, Zion. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you understanding. And give you insight and understanding. As soon as you begin to pray, you began to pray. An answer was given. I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed. And he unveils to him and unrolls this vision of the 70 weeks of Daniel. But it's Gabriel who says, when you were praying, I was sent by God to bring the message, to bring the, the interpretation of this dream. Gabriel, one of the archangels of God, along with Michael. Michael, who is the, um, Michael, who is the defender of Israel. And Gabriel, who is the one who brings comfort and hope to Israel as we see in these situations. And the angel Gabriel comes to Zacharias. If you go back to Matthew 9, I, want, I do want you to notice, and you, you, maybe you did kind of think about this. Think about the similarities. Think of how, as this story unfolded, and Zacharias went back to Galilee, went back with his family, and thought about this. The similarities between Daniel's revelation of Gabriel and, and Zacharias's revelation regarding his son, John, that was to be born. Both of them came in the evening sacrifice. Did you notice that? It was both at the sacrifice and the time of day that Gabriel came. Both of them were connected in prayer. Gabriel says, Daniel, as soon as you started praying, your prayers were heard and God sent me. Gabriel comes to Zacharias and says, Zacharias, your prayers have been answered. I don't think this would have been lost on Zacharias. Zacharias uh, they both had. They were both struck with fear before the angel, as you would be if the angel Gabriel stood before you. And they were struck with fear. They both were dumb in the sense they couldn't speak. Uh, 
Zacharias was struck dumb by God. Daniel fell down and couldn't speak. And he couldn't say anything because of the presence of the angel. Vision is very important in both of these stories. And in fact, this one other thing, you might, some of you might want to track this down a little bit if you, some of you like to do this in detail in the study of the Bible. In Daniel, it's the 70 weeks of Daniel, which is 490 units. We think 490 years. And it's interesting, if you do the math from the time of the announcement to John, to Zacharias in the temple, to the presentation of Jesus in the temple, it's 490 as, as, as a unit of 400 and, or 70, I'm sorry, the, the, the unit of 490 days, 490 days as well. Possibility. The point is, Daniel and Zacharias, the angel Gabriel, it would not have been lost on them. We go forward a little bit to the story of Jesus. And we come to uh, Luke, as we continue, we'll go back to Luke in chapter 1, in verse 26. Now we're going to look for some continuities with the appearance of this angel, some similarities in these stories. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel, that is Gabriel, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And the story we read that, that she will be with child, be, bring forth a son. He will reign over the throne of his father David. In verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. His kingdom will never be. And, and I mean, you know, this story is so familiar to us. But think of the amazing. She's a, she's a virgin. She's a young girl. Maybe a, a, a teenage, I'm sure probably a teenage girl. Given the culture of the time, she could have been a young teenage girl. And, and, and the ama- I mean, how could this possibly be? What does this mean? What is she going to say? How is she going to face people? Who is going to possibly believe this? Who would ever believe this? This was, not, this was not understood by the rabbis to be part of the Old Testament story. Yes, there's the passage in Isaiah about the virgin will, will, will bring forth a son, will conceive. But they didn't fully understand that. And, and, and here she is, a nobody, this common girl from Galilee who is, who is nobody. She's not important. She's not a daughter of a rabbi. She, nobody would know her. Nobody would dare believe this story. And, and, and she's afraid and she's in the presence of an angel and she says, verse 34, how could this be? I'm still a virgin. And the, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. In verse 35. And, and the Holy One, the Holy One. Listen to a, to a Jewish young lady to, to, to hear this word, the Holy One. That only God. Only God. The Holy One. To be born will be called the Son of God. And after the, in, in verse 37, nothing's impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. The angel Gabriel was sent to Mary to bring this unfathomable message, yet good news. Back in Matthew chapter 
one, we have the story of Joseph. Matthew tells us Joseph's side of the story. Luke doesn't mention this. We put the two together and we get sort of the whole account here. And we have Joseph. And we are told before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, verse 18. Joseph is, you know, is, is, realizes the reality that his, his bride-to-be is pregnant. And Joseph... Her husband was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to punishment. He could have had her stoned. He could have had her stoned to death. He had minded to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, notice, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived of her, exactly what was told to Mary, is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And this angel of God, the angel Gabriel, once again is sent to Joseph to bring the message. To bring the message. The angel of God that she will bear a child. I want you to notice the similarities in the stories. And then finally, the last story, we go back to Luke. We go to Luke chapter 2. And after Mary brings birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger. And we come to verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord, again, not named, but... I mean, from my perspective, who else would it have been? Who, who has been given the job of telling the people it's Gabriel? I'm assuming this is Gabriel. And Gabriel, I think, appears to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Evangelism. Evangel. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be your sign. You will find the baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts, the whole myriad of angels were singing and praising God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill or favor rest upon man. And they went. They went. And they went to the manger. And afterward, it said, verse 20, they went home and they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen. Everything about this story is so unpredictable and unlikely. Mary was the most unlikely person. Joseph was the most unlikely man to to raise the Son of God. The shepherds of all people were the most unlikely to be invited to His birth. Later on, when the wise men, the magi who come, who are not even Jewish leaders who come and visit, are really the most unlikely. The place of his birth in a manger, in a stable, not humble, but humiliating. To, be, to, be, to have to give birth to your firstborn child where the animals eat. Everything about this story. But as you read these four accounts of the angel on the day we light the candle, the angel candle, and we consider the ministry of Gabriel who was sent to bring the message, what are the things that we find consistent or in common with each account? 
And I think we could include Daniel as well. First of all, all of them, there is an anticipation. They are all waiting for the Messiah. Even as Jews gather, even Passover to Passover now and say next year in Jerusalem. There was an anticipation and everybody in this story. Nobody in this story would have said, what? A Messiah? A Savior? Any more than you would come today and say, what? Christmas this week? Christmas Eve? Tomorrow night? No, every, they were anticipating. They were waiting. They were looking for the coming Messiah. Every one of them. In every case, when the angel Gabriel appeared to them, when the angel of the Lord appeared to them, what is their immediate response? What is it? Huh? And they were, what the King James says, they were sore afraid. Every one of them was struck with this terrible fear that they are in the presence of an angel. And what does this mean? Because in the Old Testament, angels also come in judgment. They show up when it's time for God to, to, to unleash His judgment upon sin when it's finally worn its course. They come to bring bad news as well as good news. And in each case, they were struck with fear. What is the other continuity? What is the other similarity then you find in each of the stories? What is it? And the angel said to them what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Don't be afraid. There was much to be afraid about. They were struck with fear. They were reassured. After the angel said, don't be afraid, they received reassurance that God is going to do something wonderful and He is going to save you and your people. And in fact, He is going to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And the last thing we have in common, this is interesting, Joseph in Matthew 1.24, after he saw the angel, he had a choice to make. Joseph had a choice to make. Joseph could have woken up from that dream and, and said to himself, well, that was weird. You know, that was a weird dream. But you know what? I'm still not going to go through with this. I, you know, there's no way Mary is pregnant. But Joseph woke up from that dream. And in faith, he did what God told him to do. He took Mary as his wife. He cared for her through her whole pregnancy. He endured the shame and the scorn. He endured having to explain to people. He endured everything because he did what God told him to do. One of the most amazing... What about Zechariah? Zechariah, when he was finally realized and he was struck dumb, he went back home and he waited. He did what he was supposed to do. To me, one of the most amazing statements in the Bible is this young girl, Mary, Miriam, Mary. You notice how the Marys in the New Testament? Very common name. And this young girl, Miriam, when she was told this unthinkable, unbelievable, impossible message, number one, that she was pregnant. Number two, God had overshadowed her. And implanted in her womb, as it were, but yet not just implanted, this this child was hers, and it was it was a it was a it was a miracle, and it was a holy one of God. Everything about this is just un, 
unbelievable, unthinkable. Now what does Mary say? This young girl says, let it be as you have said. Let it be. Let it be as you have said, God. I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. And she went home in faith. She went home in faith and waited. And what about the shepherds? When the angel comes to the shepherds, those shepherds could have seen that vision. They could have seen that amazing sight. And they could have said, you know, what are the odds of us going to Bethlehem and finding this baby? Well, you know, who, who, what's going on here? And they, but they went. They went to Jerusalem. And they found the baby. And they worshipped the baby. And then the thing they all have in common, after it was told, they were all obedient. The shepherds went out. And they praised God, which meant they publicly praised God and spread the word. Mary went home and was obedient. Joseph went home and was obedient. Zacharias went home and was obedient. And Daniel was obedient to the very end of the book of Daniel of bringing God's message and serving God. Yesterday... Um, it was kind of interesting. In the morning, I, I read uh, the Wall Street Journal. And then the editorial section was an article. I can't remember the exact title of it. I should have brought it with me. But it was an article about the persecution of Christians around the world. And the interesting thing about it is the author of it, I think, was the director of the Simon Wiesenthal Center that has, that has had to do with the the memory of the Holocaust. Two of the authors of this article were Jewish and one was a, a, a clergy. But the, the, the focus of this article was that the persecuted religion today is Christianity. Around the world. And it told the story in Nigeria of, of uh, some Islamic terrorist type people coming in and bringing a, a group out and, and going by name. And if their name was Christian, they were shot, they were killed. If it was Islamic name, they were taken away and questioned more. And it listed the number of countries, the majority, the number of countries in the world where Christianity is persecuted. And I thought about that. It was interesting to read that. And if you had a chance, you could go online and see that from yesterday's Wall Street Journal. And to, to think about the fear that many of our brothers and sisters are facing today. Where it's very dangerous to be a Christian. We, we came here today and none of you came here in fear today that somebody was going to do something for you walking through these doors. I have no fear that I'm going to be thrown in jail for preaching the gospel today. And then, uh, later in the day, I opened up an email from a pastor in the Philippines who we met when we were over there. And this was the first time I saw this whole bunch of pictures, one picture after another in this email of what our brothers and sisters and things to come mission, the Grace Churches and what he had gone through with this typhoon in Mindanao and how many of them lost everything and the, the rubber plantations and other agricultural products that were used to support the ministry wiped out 100%, 90%, 80%, homes destroyed and showed the pictures of them and, and unbelievable what they have been through there. Second time this year in the Philippines and all that they have to be afraid of but the message was that we are, we are walking by faith and God is using this. And then last night I opened up an email from 
uh, Rita Zershmeed forwards me from uh, some, some people in Nazareth. And they work for Child Evangelism Fellowship in Nazareth. And they, they are working with Arab children mainly, because as they mentioned there, it's illegal to try to convert uh, Jewish children under 18. But they're working with children, and, and they, have, they have suffered. and They have had been through dangerous situations. And they talked about this message from the angel in this email. And I, and I close with this, this, this. This message from the angel, fear not. These are brothers and sisters around the world who are in situations where there's every reason to be afraid. And the message was, don't be afraid. Fear not. And I want you to take that message home with you today, friends. Every one of you, you may be praying for something today as, as, as Zacharias and Daniel were praying. And maybe you're praying for something. You're anticipating something that, 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 you're, that you, in your life. And maybe God is bringing it to fruition. Maybe there's some significant changes, some significant things in your life that you're praying about. And all of a sudden you see God bringing it to happen, bringing it to fruition. And along with that, answer to prayer may come some fears because a new situation brings, brings new situations. And it might bring some fears. And it may bring some unknowns and some apprehensions. And they may be some very real ones. And I ask you today, where is your reassurance? Where is your reassurance? We have a messenger from God. It is the Holy Spirit who dwells within. And the Holy Spirit, with His revealed Word that we have been given to read and consider and apply to our lives, can bring us the reassurance from God. You don't need to be afraid. It's okay. This is what God is doing. This is what I would want you to do. And God calls us, like every person that encountered Gabriel on those various incidents in the gospel story of the birth of our Savior, they went home and they did what God told them to do. And we have this wonderful, amazing story of the virgin birth of our Savior who grew to be a man and went to the cross of Calvary and provided for you and for me the impossible the unthinkable, the unlikely, forgiveness for sins, eternal life, and, and the hope of resurrection. Be not afraid. God is at work. Do not be afraid. God will provide. He is our God. Let's close our service with our, our final hymn this morning. Angels from the realms of glory, as we consider today the message of the angels and the angel Gabriel in this Christmas story. So we've come today to worship as we leave this place once again. I don't want you to leave without knowing how much God loves you. Jesus Christ, born in the manger, lived to be a man without sin because he was the God man. He died in the cross of Calvary. He paid for your sin. He paid for my sin. And I offer you, on behalf of the Scriptures, on behalf of our God today, the most wonderful gift you could ever receive. Eternal life, forgiveness for sins, a relationship with God as part of His family. I offer you that today because the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Heavenly Father, I pray if there be a person here today who has never received Christ as Savior. Maybe they've heard the message many times. 
If your Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart today, Lord, I pray they would open their heart to you and say, yes. Yes, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, for we are all born in sin. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I believe he died on the cross and paid for my sin. And I want to receive him as my Savior and receive eternal life. And Father, might that person today open their heart and say yes to God. And as we leave this place, Lord, as we all have our anxieties, our fears, the very real things that come into our lives, might we leave with that wonderful message of the peace that passes all understanding. Fear not. I am with you to the end of the world. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, the power and of love and of a sound mind. And may we go forth today rejoicing in your hope and in your power. In Christ's name we pray.